0: Good morning, Good morning. Hey. would you open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 21, John chapter 21, and I want us, um, after you have it, I uh, want you, us to stand up and to read it together, okay? so we don't do this enough. Um, to stand in the time when the reading of God's Word happens, but it's a good practice, at least every now and then, so it doesn't seem like a ritual, to remind us that we honor God when we read His Word, and we turn ourselves over to God so that His Word will enter into us. So would you please uh, read with me verses 1 through 14 of John chapter 21. Let's begin. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to His disciples, by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore For he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there and fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had raised from the dead. Heavenly Father, as we read your word, we pray that your word will enter into our hearts and into our souls, and transform us into the people you want us to be. Lord, we have an invitation in these words this morning to come and have breakfast with you. Lord, I pray that this invitation will be heeded by all of us, and we would see what a great blessing it is to spend time with you every day, fellowshipping with you, even over food. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Please be seated. So how many uh, fishermen and fisherwomen do we have here? We have a number of fishermen and fisherwomen. All right. So I know that um, when I was a kid, my dad was a fisherman. And he would go out to the shore. He liked to um, just sort of cast off from the shore. And he would go and try to catch fish. And I remember he'd catch fish. And growing up, of course, I wanted to catch fish, so dad would take me fishing. Um, And I don't know what the equivalent is to a brown thumb in fishing, but that's what I had. Um, I couldn't catch fish no matter what I did. Um, I remember my dad, this one outing, we went to a lake, Lake Murray in, in La Mesa in San Diego, and uh, we went up on the pier, and, and I went fishing, and, and I didn't have to have a license being a kid, and I would be out there, and we were there early in the morning, or we I cast out, nothing happened, cast out, nothing happened. Finally, it's like, you know, even dad gave up on me, and so it's like, okay, well, we're going to go home now. And so I reel in my line, all right, and as I'm reeling in my line, I can see it coming towards me. And I see this big old fish chasing my hook. And I go, awesome! So I stop, right? And nothing happens. You know, the fish just swam away. And I was thinking, gosh, you know, I can't even get a fish who wants to die. You know, this fish was like trying to die and I couldn't even catch it. it this is my story as a fisherman. But here we have a story in the Bible of professional fishermen who had the same results that I usually had. that they went fishing, and they didn't catch a thing. Let me read again verses 1 through 3. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now fishing here, as we look at it today, is a metaphor for our lives. Fishing represents the times in our lives where maybe we got up early, like some fishermen do, or we get up late at night, it was just still early in the morning, which other fishermen do, and you work and you toil, and you catch Nothing. Fishing here represents those times in our life when we do everything possible to do everything right, even at times our livelihood depends on it, but we're still disappointed. We think we're doing the right thing. In fact, we know we're doing the right thing, but there's no fish, there's no success, there's no fruit, no friends, no hope, no love, maybe no money, no blank. Of what you're fishing for. And so if I were to ask you this question right now. In your life, what are you fishing for? What's something in your life that you really, really want to fill your days? To add meaning to your life? Or to just live it out the way you want to? What are some things that that you're fishing for in life? I know throughout my life I could say that there's many different things that I've fished for. I fished for friendships. I fished for acceptance. I fished for a job. I fished for God's will. I've fished for meaning. I've fished for a wife. I fished wanting children. I fished wanting to be a better father. I fished wanting to be a better husband. I fished wanting to be a better friend. I fished for many different things. I fished for hope in the midst of darkness. I fished for health in the midst of sickness. I fished so that I would be able to experience the things that just sort of naturally bubble up to the surface of my life that happens to all of us. And when we come to this place in our life, we are looking for God to intervene. We may not know that, but every desire of our heart is an indication of what God wants to do in our lives. There's something that God wants to do in each of our lives. And so he invites us to spend time with him. He invites us so that he can personally tell us the things that we need to know and personally give to us the things that we most yearn for. And so today we're going to look at how Jesus invites us into his presence to have breakfast with him. How Jesus invites us to receive the things that we're fishing for in life so that we can have them. And the first thing that we need to know is who we are in God's eyes. Who we are. So just like I was my dad's little child, so are we God's Little children. Jesus invites those of us who acknowledge that we are little children. In verse 5, the Bible says that after Jesus had seen them, he's standing on the shore, he calls out to them, and he says, in NIV, he says, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. The word friends is actually probably better translated little child. Little child. And little child means infant, someone who is totally dependent on another, usually on their parents, in need of instruction, in need of protection, in need of being cared for. And this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Now, the Bible says at the end of this passage, this was the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. This is the fourth Sunday of Easter. And we're remembering the resurrection of Jesus. So we're looking at the stories of the resurrection. We're looking at the stories of hope. And so here is a story of great hope for all of us in the resurrection. That even like these disciples, they've gotten up early in the morning and and their mind is probably foggy. The the weather might be foggy as well. And they're hungry. They go out fishing for food and, and they need to still have a living. So maybe they're going out fishing so that they can sell some fish. But they don't catch anything. And then somebody along the shore cries out to them and says, little children. And they respond. And they come to Jesus like a little child, as we'll see in the coming passages. As God calls us to acknowledge that we are little children. One of the most important things that we can do to acknowledge that we are little children is to acknowledge. Admit the fact that when it comes to fishing, at times we don't know what to do. And we haven't received what we want. And so just like the disciples had to say in, in question to what Jesus was asking, they had to acknowledge, no, I don't have what I need. And little children do that. And that's what we need to do. When we have a place in our heart where we want God to fulfill the fish or that emptiness within us, or to give us the thing that we so much long for. We need to say, you know, God, I don't have it. I don't have it. I'm just a little child. How does God feel about us? Look on your outline and you'll see Matthew chapter 18, verse two through four. Um, let's read that out loud together. Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like a little child, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who comes as humble as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's the same word that we have in our passage in John that's in Matthew. Little child, friends. That God sees us in this way. He wants to be among us. He wants to forgive us of our sins. But we have to acknowledge that we have that emptiness within us. We have to repent of our sins. We have to become like a little child who acknowledges their need. We need to come up to God and say, I need you. I need you. Would you help me? Now, that's who we are. And Jesus is the one who will come to us. Jesus is the one who will begin to give us the things that we need so that we have the fish that we need. So Jesus invites us. He invites us to spend time with him. But then he says to his disciples... He calls out to them in verse 6 and he says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, they hadn't found fish all night. But Jesus tells them to throw your net on the right side of the boat. Specific instructions. Now, how could he do that? Well, he had done it before. He had helped the fishermen to find fish before. And they knew that it was a sign of his sovereignty. In fact, in Luke, we read a story where Jesus was going to call Peter to be one of his disciples. Peter had been fishing. They didn't catch fish, just like in this story. Jesus tells them to go and to cast the net out. They cast the net out, and they catch so many fish that the net begins to break Peter, when he recognizes Jesus in that moment, he falls down and he says, go away from me, I'm not worthy of you. He recognized the greatness of Jesus. But here, he is recognizing the sovereignty of God, the power of God, to know where the fish are or to bring the fish by so that they might go into this net to show the power of God. And this is the sovereignty of Jesus. This is his authority. And it's so important as a child, right? You know, a child just sort of naturally knows mom and dad have authority. Mom and dad have authority. And so as the child grows up and and the parent tells the child what to do, they're supposed to obey. And this is what Jesus is telling his little children. I want you to obey. I want you to trust I want you to trust me in such a way that it turns into obedient action, even though it seems impossible. And that's what's so important, is that when life seems impossible, we're primed for a test. We are being tested as to, do we really believe in the authority of God? Do we really believe in the sovereignty of God when life isn't going well? Do I really believe God's still in control? And when I come to God, He tells me to trust him. He tells me to put my faith in him. He tells me to throw my net out and trust him. I don't know what that would mean for you. But throwing the net out for me means that there are times that I have to step out in faith when I don't know where I'm going. Or I have to step out in faith even though I know it's going to be difficult. Or I have to talk to somebody because I've hurt them and I have to ask for forgiveness even though I don't want to. Or, I have to to get up a little bit earlier so that I make sure that I spend time with God even though I'm really tired. Or, that I acknowledge to God that I'm a sinner. Or, that I acknowledge to other people that I need their help. And so, there are so many times where we need to throw out the net of our lives to trust God to take care of us. When we don't see the answers, it's below the surface, we can't see it. We need a miracle. We need God to intervene in our lives. And this is what's happening here in this story is that the disciples are being told to throw out trust onto Jesus. God wants us to throw out our trust on him in this net of our livelihood. This net represented everything about their lives. It was how they got food. It's how they got money. It's who they were as fishermen. And they had to throw it all out to trust In Jesus, And this is what Jesus calls you and me to do, to trust and obey. Well, they did it. What's interesting is that after they caught the fish, Peter didn't say, Jesus, go away from me. Jesus, please, I'm not worthy. Instead, Peter knows he needs Jesus. After throwing out the net, the next thing he throws into the water is himself. And I think that's so important for us to see as a picture of what God wants us to do, is not just throw out our trust, but throw out our person. Throw out all that we are. Throw out who we are as a people to God. To give ourselves fully to him. And so Peter does something, you know, it's just really odd, right? He, he jumps into the water, and he pulls on his coat. And we don't know if he put it on, like over his body, or maybe he put it into his sash, and he swam to shore. But why would he do that? Well, the probability is, is that he was... He was down to his underwear when he was fishing. And when he wanted to go before Jesus, he knew that he had to show respect. And so he brought his cloak with him to cover himself so he could meet Jesus respectfully and do what was right. But it shows us Peter's affection for Jesus. It shows us Peter's willingness to take a risk and to go out to God to trust him, to obey, to not just do what we want to do, but to do what God tells us to do. Trust and obey is not a cliche. Right? It's something that God has called us to do. I remember when our kids were little, there was this little song. It was one of my favorite songs. And, and it's you know, it like, O-B-E-Y. Remember that? And parents know that one? O-B-E-Y. Obey your mom and dad. O-B-E-Y, it makes them very glad. Right? That's right? Isn't that true? Okay. You didn't know that song? right, now you do. Now you can sing it to your kids or grandkids. All right? But what does obedience do? It makes our parents glad. O-B-E-Y. It makes them very glad. And when we obey God, it makes him very glad. He's a person. He's a father. Jesus is our father. He loves us and he cares for us. And he wants us to trust him. Trust him and obey him. Even if we can't see the answers right away. Jesus also invites them into something else as he invites us. He invites us to work with him. Let me read verses 8 through 11. The other disciples followed in the boat. So, you know, Peter's swimming to shore. And they, they're following in the boat. And they tow the net full of fish. For they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning cold where there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus answered their needs. Jesus was taking care of all that they needed and all that they wanted. He was going to fill up their net. He was taking care of them when they got onto the shore. He was already cooking. He was already barbecuing. There was a fish there already being cooked. There was bread there already being toasted. And they were going to have a meal with Jesus. He is going to take care of them, and he promises to his children, he is going to take care of all of our needs. He's going to supply every need. Whatever it is we're fishing for, he's going to supply. Now to these disciples, it was the bread and the fish that they were looking for at that moment. And the bread is the harvest of the earth, and the fish is the harvest of the seas. It represents the whole world that God has sovereignty over. And he brings the food to his disciples. There's not one meal, there's not one meal you or I have ever had that wasn't supplied by God. There's not one meal you and I have ever had That wasn't supplied by God. Because everything that is made in this earth that becomes food is something that God had created. God loves us. And he wants us to have this. But he doesn't just sort of do it all for us. Because he doesn't want us to remain as little children. He wants us to grow up. And so we have in this wonderful picture, Jesus calling out a third time to his disciples. And he says, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Bring some of the fish. And this is what you and I do. That bring means we work with him. We work with him. Now, he does the major work, right? So he brings the fish under the boat on the starboard side. He tells the disciples, throw the net over so they'll get caught. Jesus counted out 153 fish. Put them there under the boat. The fishermen caught it, they drag it to shore, and then Jesus says, bring some of the fish you have caught. You have caught. Now, you know, it should have said, bring some of the fish that I gave to you. But he gives him credit for catching the fish when he did all the work. It's just like a parent, Right? A parent or an adult, you've got a little child and you're trying to teach them to play ball, right? And so somebody throws the ball to them and they're like, you know, they can't catch it and the ball goes everywhere else, right? And they throw the ball again and they can't catch it and goes everywhere and the child's getting a little frustrated. And so the adult comes around behind the kid and somebody throws the ball and the adult holds the hand of the little child and they catch the ball, right? And the child's now holding it, and he's giggling, and he's laughing. And what does the adult say? The adult says, you did it. Right? You did it. It's just, like, again, like a child, you know, building blocks and they, their hand. The coordination isn't there yet, and the blocks keep falling down. But the parent comes around. The adult comes around and takes their hand, grabs the block, and begins to stack it for them. And they get it to the top. The child's so happy. And what does the parent say? They say, you did it. You did it. And they're so happy. And their confidence grows. And you know what? They actually believe they did it. But the parent did it. But they learn. And they grow. And this is what God does for you and for me. He calls us to participate. And there are a lot of things we may think that we don't know how to do. There are a lot of things that we may think that we don't want to do. But if God calls us to do it, we have to trust and we have to obey. And he will help us to do it. And people wonder, what, what, what's with 153? <laughs> you know, that's really odd. Like, Why did they count the fish? And nobody knows for sure. All right? There's a lot of different theories. There's numer- numerology theories. Um, there's also the theory that in that day, the Greek zoologists believed there were 153 types of fish in the ocean. And so... Something you know, God brought one of every one of those fish into, into the net. But then it had a spiritual meaning because it meant that it was all the people of the world that were going into the net. And that's one theory. Um, but what I think it actually means is that it's just a lot. It's just a lot of fish. All right? And that the net, okay, it didn't break. See, that's why I think the number 153 was there. And they didn't just say, you know, 153 minnows. It says 153 large fish. And I think that that's the emphasis of the context. Is that the net is just full of fish. And it should have broke. The net should have broke. But the fact that the, the author of this book said, and the net did not break, meant something special about that net. And Jesus had said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. And you're going to catch them in your net of the gospel. And what I think this means is that the net will never break, and there's no limit to the number of fish you can catch. There's no limit to the number of fish that God wants to put into that net that God wants the whole world to enter that net, that God wants the whole world to be caught up in the grace that he has, that God wants the whole world to come to him and to be with him and to work with him as these disciples did. And this is what God has called you and me to do for the gospel, is to work with him so that other people will know Jesus, to invite them to the dance that's coming up, to work with him with our children, to volunteer to work with promised land, To work with him and serve in the church where the needs are. To work with him and to love your neighbor and to care for them. To work with him to show the love that he has for all the world. When God wants us to work with him, there's something that's going to happen very beautifully in our lives. And that is that God's going to work in us. God never asks us, To just work for him. He never asks us to just work for him. He wants to work with us. But he doesn't work with us without working in us. Look with me in John chapter 15, verse 4. John chapter 15, verse 4. Would you read that verse with me? It's there in your eye. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Now the word remain is a verb. And what it means is to stay in a place. To stay in a relation or in a relationship. To abide, to continue, to dwell, to endure, to be present, to stand where you are. And this is what God calls us to do. Because he wants to work in us as we remain in him. We have to stay connected to God. To build our holy faith. To to draw near to him. To go to him. So when he calls us to come to him, we come. That's why you're here today. You're here today because you heard God's call to come. To be with him. To worship him. As Christians do on the first day of the week to remember his resurrection, to know his power, and to love him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And you have it there in your outline. I'll read it. It says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And this passage could be impacted in so many beautiful ways. But notice that it is about working hard. There is a place for the Christian to work hard, not to earn one's salvation, but as it's translated here, to show the results of our salvation. And then we begin by obeying God. And that obedience doesn't begin as a ritual. It begins as a relationship of love, and deep reverence, and holy fear. It is an obedience that happens because I want to grow in God. I want to grow in Christ. I want to see Jesus working in me. And as I begin to obey and follow God and do the things that he asked me to do, he begins to work a stronger work in me. And as Paul says in Philippians, he'll give you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. See, sometimes we just wait for the desire and the power to do something. And we say, well, I don't want to do it because I don't have the desire to do it, or I don't have the ability, I don't have the power to do it. We got it backwards. See, God calls us to obedience, to serve, obedience to read his word, obedience to pray, obedience to witness, Obedience to holiness and to obey him. And then the desire comes after that. That's why it's faith. Sometimes we say, I don't feel like it. Of course not. But feelings aren't the motivation to obey God. Faith is the motivation to obey God. And this is what God is calling all of us to. So obey him first, and then you'll see. Then you'll see the desire grow. Then you'll see the power come. And then you'll know you're pleasing God. And it'll be a blessing that you have never experienced before. As you see God working in you, as you are working with him, and as he is doing a work of greatness through you, for him. And his kingdom. And Jesus also invites those who are hungry and thirsty. These are the verses that I just, I love. I love verse 12. Jesus said to them, <clears throat> come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus says, come and have breakfast. There's a lot of theories, too, as to why the fishermen went fishing that early morning. I think it was because they were hungry. They probably had run out of fish. They're hungry, so they go fishing. That's what they do. It's also possible that they went fishing because it's also their job. They still needed to take care of their families. They still needed to, to be active in what they are doing with, because they hadn't yet received the full commission of God to know where God was sending them. So, so they are here in this time, and they are hungry. And I think that's what we are. If we are hungry, if we are thirsty, God wants to come to us. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Would you open up your Bibles? Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. It's after Psalms, so it's after the middle of the Bible. Psalm 55, verse 1. And if you have your own Bible, or, you know, highly, and if you haven't already, mark this verse. Isaiah 55, verse 1, it says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you, and you who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Come. Buy wine, milk, without money and without cost. And Jesus says to disciples, Come. God in the Old Testament had called out to his people, come. God in the Old Testament says, come those who are thirsty. You don't need to have any water, any money. It's free. Come if you are hungry. You don't need to have any money. It's free. Come to me. I'll give you what you need. I'll give you what would fill you up where you are hungry and quench your thirst. Jesus says, come and have breakfast with me. There are times... So many times in our lives where we have this need and we feel like it's not being met. We're hungry or we're thirsty. It could be something little or it could be something big. And there was something sort of in between there for me 16 years ago this weekend. Um, It's 16 years ago this weekend that I graduated from Azusa Pacific. And I had studied really hard for a number of years to get my degree. And uh, it was the the hardest thing that I'd ever done uh, academically. It was challenging, and and I I worked hard, and I I went to classes, and I wrote my papers, and I I graduated. I was so excited, and I wanted to share that with people. And so there there was a graduation celebration before graduation that morning, and they were having a breakfast for all the graduates. And so I wanted to go with somebody. And, and all my friends, who were my peers in the classes, they, they weren't graduating yet. And so they weren't there. And I couldn't have breakfast with them. And then um, I asked my wife. And we still had little kids. And so she goes, you know, I want to be there for you. But I got to take care of the kids. We'll be there at the graduation, of course. And, and I, I couldn't find anybody to have breakfast with me that morning. Um, but I still went, because it was a free breakfast. Um, And you know, I'm Chinese, so I can't miss a free breakfast. Um, But I still sat, because I I had to go to the breakfast by myself. But I was determined to eat that breakfast. So I got my food, and I can still picture it, and I, I went to the table, and I sat down, and I had brought with me my devotional that morning. And so I opened up my devotional, and you know what it was on? What verse it was on? John 21, 12. Come and have breakfast. (laughs) You know how I felt when I opened that up, sitting there with the breakfast in front of me, wanting so badly to have somebody with me, and I read these words from Jesus? Come. Come have breakfast. That's so awesome, isn't it? But that's not just for me. That's for all of us. If we'll spend time with Jesus, you will find that there are these amazing miracles that God intervenes. I just want to share with you what I wrote after I did my devotion there. Because this is what I want for you. This is what God wants for us, for all of us. And so I wrote, dear Lord, you invite me to breakfast with you at Azusa and beyond. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your miraculous invitation. You invite me into your joy today, and I rejoice in you. I'm so glad I have you, and you have me, and we have others to share our joy. I'm graduating today, Lord. You did it. You did it. You did it in me, and you did it for me. And you did it with me. It's a beautiful day, Father. Thank you for making it this way. That's for us. When we spend time with Jesus, He is inviting us to have breakfast with Him. And who is He? He is the resurrected Lord. The Bible says this is the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus showed his disciples that he bodily raised from the dead in a spiritual body so that he could eat the food. He didn't need the food, but he could eat the food because he was tangible. He was real. He was spiritual. In this sense, he was physical to his disciples, that he would be able to be touched and he could take the food, or they could see it that it's the real Jesus, the same Jesus that died, is the same Jesus that's alive, is the same Jesus that gives us all the promises that we need for everything we're fishing for. Look in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. I'll read it, and it says Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. So much of our fishing is trying to avoid the fear of dying, to try to fill up something in our lives. But the only thing that takes that fear away is Jesus. And knowing that he loves us. And knowing that he's real. He is real. He is the person who came at Christmas. And he's the same person who resurrected at Easter. And he wants to come to us and invite us. Come and have breakfast. Or come and have lunch. Or come and have dinner. Or come and have coffee with me. Jesus wants to spend time with us. Whenever we're hungry. Whenever we're thirsty. It's a reminder of the invitation that Jesus says, come and eat with me. I want to encourage you this week as an application to set aside a time, one meal, at least one meal this week, that you eat alone with Jesus. That you spend time with him. And you recognize his presence in your life. And you can talk to him. You can tell him what you're fishing for. You can tell him what you're hungry for. You can tell him what you're thirsty for. And he will come to you and be with you. In John chapter 7:37, it says, "On the last day, this is the, toward, in the middle of Jesus' ministry, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, "Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who's thirsty may come to me." And these verses that many of us probably know, Matthew 11:28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Come to me. Anyone here who's weary, anyone carrying a burden, and he will give you rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for coming to us Thank you for loving us more than we deserve, giving us grace, mercy, and fulfilling all of our needs. Lord, we confess that we don't know what to do. We don't have what we want. We didn't catch that fish, but you're here now, and we know that what we really need is you. What we really want is you. And the only thing that will really fill up our souls is you. You are who we hunger for. You are who we thirst for. So, Father, we pray that we would come and have breakfast with you regularly. That we would come and eat with you and do with us. Thank you, Father, for your promises that you will do this. We pray, Father, that we would find nourishment in you this week as we spend time with you each day. In your name we pray. Amen.